giant voice. The official podcast of the United States Navy's largest overseas installation, Commander Fleet Activities, Yokosuka. All the information you need to succeed as a forward deployed sailor in Japan. Each week, we tackle one topic and speak to experts who can answer some of your most frequently asked questions. This is the Giant Voice Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Voice Podcast. Today, we have with us the commanding officer of the Navy Reserve component of Commander Naval Forces Japan, as well as the Command Master Chief, um, and also our local uh, officer recruiter for the Naval Reserves um, for Japan, Guam, and Korea, who's here on Yokosuka. And uh, they're going to give us some information about the Navy Reserves, uh, what the benefits of it are, how one would transition from active duty to Navy Reserves. Um, It's a pretty good conversation, so stick around. This episode of the Giant Voice Podcast, um, we have a group from the U.S. Navy Reserves here to talk about the U.S. Navy Reserves. Um, We do have a lot of active duty listeners and especially a lot of active duty um, dependent and and, uh, spouse listeners. So uh, hopefully we're going to get a a lot of good information out about what the reserves is, um, about how uh, you would transition from an active duty to reserve career or how you would just, you know, start a reserve career. Um, so with us, we've already had a little bit of introduction, um, but if you guys would say, uh, say just your names and what unit you're with, uh, real quick. So, sir, we'll start with you. Absolutely. Captain Casey Chipwadi. I'm the commanding officer of Navy Reserve Commander Navy Forces Japan Unit. Chief Warrant Officer Seals with the Navy Reserve Recruiting Command. I'm here as the officer recruiter in Japan, Guam, and Korea. Awesome. Awesome. And Master Chief? Hajime Mashite, Master Chief Wagner here from Navy Reserve, Commander, Navy Reserve Forces, Japan. Oh, I've got it now. She's showing me off, so I got it. You know, Kinichi Konnichiwa. <laughs> konnichiwa. <laughs> well done, Master Chief. Um, so Japanese is a very, very difficult language for English speakers to learn. I've been working on it for many years, and I, I'm still, I can speak pretty well, but I'm functionally illiterate. <laughs> it's a very hard, kanji is very, very I'm difficult. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, all right. Um, so the first thing, right, when I was in the reserves, uh, they were still kind of standing up, I believe, the kind of unit that you're in charge of right now. We're kind of roping in mm. the local unit here to be a part of that was sort of going on around the time I was leaving. So tell me a little bit about that. You're in Minneapolis, you said? The unit is, that's right. So you guys are in Minneapolis, but you're... Reserve Naval Forces Japan, tell me a bit about how that works, and maybe we go into a little bit about how billeting and units work in general in the reserves. Absolutely. You're right that uh, the Naval Forces Japan Reserve Unit existed in some form or shape for a long time, but it took on different um, unit structures, I should say. There's a um, – we drill out of uh, Naval Reserve Center Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. But we come from all 
uh, walks of life, all different places of the U.S., and we meet up and train in Minneapolis. That's one location. Uh, in the last several years, the Enterprise, the reserve side, Navy Forces Japan Enterprise, uh, we have 171 billets total. Um, we're restructured into three units. Minneapolis is the headquarters. That's where I uh, travel to from Austin for drill. That's where Master Chief comes. We have a detachment in Fort Worth, Texas. We have a detachment here in Yoko. Um, and that's really where we have structured so far. We also have uh, not part of my unit, but there's also a sister unit that is Navy Reserve, uh, Naval Forces Region Japan. Um, that's a, a commander unit. I'm a, that's a captain unit is my unit. Uh, and they do something similar. They're actually in Houston, uh, and, but, but they fulfill a similar role for our boss, who's all the same boss. It's Admiral Latte, who's the commander of Navy Force Japan, Navy Region Japan. He's been on this podcast before. Oh, outstanding. He, he certainly has. I interviewed him. Yep. Excellent. And, and you, the other question you said was, in general, how is billeting work? Yep. Um, and really, for the enlisted for the officers, there's different systems we have that essentially now we've gone to over the last 10, 15 years is is this idea of advertisements and being able to apply for billets. Um, uh, not that you're going to get those necessarily. It's a wish That's list. how it works it's, on active duty right. as well. So you can now at least apply for them. And then there's a as I, as I often refer to it in the behind the curtain as a gonculator that sort of does all this mishmashination and will determine where you end up going, which may not be your number one choice. Yep. Uh, but it really what we're trying to get after also, I want to you know, plug in for CNR, Command and Navy Reserve, uh, uh, Chief of Navy Reserve. Uh, really, Admiral Mustin has implemented a very serious and intentional process over the last three years called the Navy Reserve Fighting Instructions. Yes, and I remember this as well, which is is you need to be training what your what, what your rating is, and, right? Well, really, ultimately, what do you? What's your wartime function? Yep, right. You train to that wartime function. Yep. Everything else is secondary. It's what is your wartime function, um, and really adjusting billets and units across the reserve force. To fix those, so you may live here, for example, but because of your rating and, and say you don't want to cross rate, you want, great, no problem, and you're really good at it, we'll find you a home somewhere else that allows you to fulfill your duty. Um, it may not be as optimal as you would hope because we all know reality is living outside the U.S. is a little more challenging from a, a reservist perspective. Yep. But the idea is that we want to have the system work for you and find a home that lets you put your skill to the warfighting test and not just filling a gap because you happen to live here. We yes. really need to change that model to align you with warfighting because that's why we do what we do. We don't do it for the peacetime. We, we want to preserve peace, but when that time comes and our nation needs us, we will win and we win decisively. So I, I, I really I get what you're saying 100%. And, um, you know, there's kind of soft skills that might necessarily not be rating skills. So, for example, if you have a Japan debt here of Navy Region Japan, it would seem ideal to me, regardless of what the ratings that the billets are there would be for, the people you would want hard billeted to that debt would be the people who have experience in Japan and speak the language. Because if a war fighting thing does happen here, right, the Kaijo Jietai and the Koko Jietai and the Japanese military are going to be like this right next to us. And so the benefit of understanding language, understanding culture, understanding the bureaucracy here and how things work 
right? So is there some accounting for soft skills in that way? So I would, uh, that's an excellent question. We just had this discussion, actually. Uh, we have it often, See, quite I'm frankly. <laughs> so what I'd offer you first is actually um, to um, provide clarity and, con- and alignment to CNR's fighting instructions and why we exist is first develop that answer of why we are here when it, when it comes to warfighting functions. So that's through something what we call a watch bill or a battle bill. When that balloon goes up, what is it that I'm going to be asked to do? And when I say I, I mean Admiral Lati. Right? We all work for him. What are his responsibilities? When, when it really gets tough, what are those responsibilities that he is accountable for? And that gives us the North Star to know now I know where the reserve force needs to come to give him bench depth for sets and reps on that thing that he's responsible for. Does that mean that we're going to have reservists who have those soft skills that we may not fully uh, leverage? Uh, I would say that its reality is yes, there are probably going to be those that we just won't be able to. Um, we will maximize where we can, but at the end what we owe the taxpayer and Congress and ultimately our nation is, is we've got the right people aligned to the right battle bill. That's how we fight a fight is through the battle bill. Yep, certainly. Right on. Good answer. Go ahead, Master Chief. Also in regards to billeting and picking picking an assignment, same as the active duty, we have uh, what is called My Navy Assignment, depending on how old you are, previously CMSID and Jazz. Yes, CMSID, certainly. Yes, so we also have My Navy Assignment, just like the active duty, very similar. We... But unlike the active duty, like active duty goes in every month and, you know, when they're nine months out from the PRD and can select a billet. We do it quarterly and we only have six months that they have like two application cycles. But it's it's very similar where they actually go in, they can see the commands, they can actually see what the mission is, they can see where the, the unit is located, which NRC, Naval Reserve Center, they report to, and also where their gaining command is. So they can go in and apply for those. Um, I do know that the, the local CNFJ Yokosuka unit does have problems with sailors that are CONUS that are applying for their billets. Uh, but, the, but the unit goes in and weeds those out and makes the comments that, hey, this is not an O-CONUS ineligible for this billet. So the command, so the, the sailors have an opportunity to go in and apply, add comments, say what their their hidden skills are that may not be visible. Right, because maybe you didn't take a language skill test, uh, you know, that shows that you have language Japanese skills in your record. Mm-hmm. But that's the comment you can add in there. You know, hey, I've spent eight years in Japan active duty. It's not shown in my ET yet electronic training jacket but you can add those comments in there which also shows me you know when I'm going through and reviewing these comments like oh wow this is really motivated so even though you know they're applying for the Yokosuka unit well, maybe I can see it in the headquarters and it's like, oh, well, this is a motivated sailor. Maybe I can contemplate, hey, I, I see that you're living in Utah, but what do you think about, uh, you know, coming to Minneapolis or whatever? So uh, my Navy assignment is a very powerful tool that we use in the reserves. Um, so I want to get that message out there as well. Thank you. Yeah. And that's why here in Japan, we have Warren Seals. Yeah. I was I was getting you, Warren. Don't <laughs> no, worry, I didn't it's all good. You. It's all good. So um, while we're while we're on the subject, so I know you're an officer recruiter, but I'm sure you can speak a little bit to the enlisted side too. Absolutely, we got a lot of in, in, enlisted uh, uh, people and families who listen here. So walk me through. You're in active duty. You decide you're going to get out after five years. 
you want to stay in the reserves. What is the process like from your when you're getting out, going from active to reserves? Kind of what happens? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just out front, the reserve is looking to pull eighty percent of its billets from active duty. Right. People that are leaving active duty to go ahead and finish out because it's experienced, trained force, right? You know, it's people you want. So from the enlisted side, basically they would put a seaway quota in about a year out, right? And they start applying for seaway quota. Yep. Our local reservist uh, recruiter here, Wynchie Schmidt, can help them when they're within that 90 days if maybe the seaway quota was was that was not put in correctly or maybe they need some assistance with the career transition office in Millington. Mm-hmm. They, they work that angle. The officer side is, is somewhat similar. Um, they have to resign the commission and then from there, they contact, you know, I work with them, work with the CTO office, um, capture some very just basic documents to give to the CTO. And then we work directly with CTO, CTO office to handle them with a transition assistant so that we get them aligned with the proper Navy Reserve Center stateside. Okay. And, and that lines up with their skills and we align the billets. That's, that's essentially it in a nutshell. So let me ask you, how about someone, let's say someone was enlisted for five years, they get out, they use their GI Bill, they go get a degree in something that's relevant that you guys are looking for. Now what's the process for them to say join as a reserve officer? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the DCO process, direct commission officer process. Um, more paperwork, of course, because they separated, right? So it's going to take a little longer. Okay. And also there's boards, it, unless it's in the medical community, which is every month, the boards are every six months or once a year. So it's not a right away thing. It is not an instant thing. And so what we encourage the sailors that are leaving active duty, they're going to go get their degree, go ahead and transition enlisted. It makes the most sense. It keeps all your medical and records up to date and then allows you to smoothly put in DCO packages also, your CEO you know, will be there to speak for you and, and to write a statement on your behalf. And that way, the Navy Reserve and the boards are looking at you as you're a good functioning member already of the reserve. Let's go ahead and bring them into leadership. Gotcha. I, I will say, too, that um, what I think the reserves is very good for, for people getting off of active duty who didn't do 20, and there's lots of people who don't. I was, I was one of them. Um, is, you know, if you're going to go, right, if some people have it in their head, like, oh, if I join the reserves, like, I don't get to use my benefits or something, like, no, you use your GI Bill just like any other active thing. The reserve component and the active component are two separate exactly. things, effectively, right? Exactly. So and you you yep. have your benefits as a vet, and you have your benefits as a reservist. Right. When you step off active duty with your DD-214, that secures and solidifies both your GI Bill and any VA benefits. Right. Right. You transition to the reserve, you're just building time, yep. right, towards your retirement. And there's some terrific uh, calculators out there that we're happy to share with calculating that retirement. It can be a big second or third retirement for other people. Yep. And then um, there's also the, the govy side of things, right? If you decide to go the government angle and then you stay a reservist and then you work two different retirements, yes, it, it can be huge yes. for a very small monetary cost yep. to buy the government retirement and and you have a double retirement yeah it's fantastic and speaking of that tsp in the reserves is that pretty much exactly the same mm-hmm. as active duty yep. identical I, so the but the max contributions because you're getting paid less how is it still a percentage it's percentage okay. it's percentage it's the same got it absolutely. yeah and there's lots of people that may just put their entire reserve check 
NTSB. That's what right? I was There's doing. a lot of people yeah. that do stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's just, it's an extra, it's the side hustle. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you if you look at in today's standards, it's the side hustle. Yep. I always had two or three, and the reserves just happened to become my main hustle, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, so right. It really worked out well for me. I've still got a civilian job with AT&T. Yep. They have, under USARA laws, I'm covered, yep. and I can go back to them at any time. And, in fact, I did this summer when I'd gone over four years on active duty as a reservist and needed to reset my clock. Ah, uh, gotcha. To stay under Title Ten rules. Yep. So we, uh, uh, Garrett here in our office, who also hosts sometimes, is still an Air Force reservist. Um, And so if you are, I just want to tell anybody who's thinking about the reserves and also thinking about the GS world, the GS world is extraordinarily flexible for reservists. And Garrett goes and does a lot of drilling. Anything they need him for, he goes up there because the GS world tends to be very, very flexible. It does. Most a lot of your bosses are reservists, or they were reservists, That's and right. so. And I would can I offer another yeah. view of that also, certainly. I, and I've been, you know, I used, used to be a GS for for twenty years, and then I left the GS world and uh, started my own company, and that you know, the tech co- entrepreneur, have interacted a lot with uh, junior and senior, uh, both sailors, officers of all the services, in the uh, vet entrepreneur world, the entrepreneur world, if you will, and and. I offer to all of them, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur and, and which is a very rough road. Yes. Um, beyond being rough, uh, I, I joke along with uh, the veterans that I'd rather be in war than be an entrepreneur, uh, getting shot at because it's that tough. But the uncertainty of whether it's entrepreneurship, uncertainty of even um, a regular job, if you will, uh, is there, and for a small amount of of um, you know, uh, uh, sucking the pain, if you will, a little bit, whatever that looks like. But the, the amount of um, that you have to accept to go to the reserve side, the benefit that you get for your family uh, is an incredible safety net, uh, yeah. which is a I think valuable for your family. The medical piece is absolutely one of the best that is out there. So is absolutely there. I would like to just comment on that for people who know I, I or who don't know rather. So I, I joined active duty much later than a lot of people. I was in my mid-20s. Um, uh, there's a lot of people who join active duty young, and they don't understand what healthcare actually costs in the United States. Absolutely. They don't understand how good they have it. They complain about TRICARE and say, like, oh, well, they make me go see this person and that person, and they say, here, take Motrin and, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yes, in the civilian world in the United States, you might get what you want. But, buddy, you're paying for it, and you're paying a lot for it. And without getting into any politics of the system, right? it is what it is, yep. right? And you're not going to fight City Hall in that way. I mean, you can go out and vote and try and make <laughs> things better, but it's not going to change overnight. And so the monetary value of having TRICARE as a reservist in the United States is crazy. Yeah, just it for is crazy. So mm-hmm. look at my company with, with AT&T, right? Fantastic company, great benefits. When I started, healthcare was 100%, right? It was it's paid for. Right. And then slowly over time, it, it became more and more expensive. Now for a family, it's over $1,000 a month. Yeah. And I can do TRICARE for two and a quarter, 240, yep. right? Yep. 
it's a no-brainer. Exactly. Right? I'm getting a and extra it's great paycheck. TSB coverage. Absolutely, so great yeah. coverage. Actually, yeah, yeah, really yeah. is. Yep. Really, TSB Reserve Select is what we have, and right. You, you mean take care of your family at the yeah. first and foremost. So whatever you end up doing, because a lot of sailors do, whether you're a junior sailor and they want to try going into the tech world, they're trying to go into entrepreneurship. Great, excellent. Do all those things. Take care of your family and ensure that you you have that. Uh, safety, safety net. net, if you will, yeah, and going reserves. And in, at the end, we want you. Yep. We really do. We want you because at the end, um, we need those. Uh, should that balloon go up for that high end fight? The the I'll tell you, man. Like if you were getting out and you're going to use the GI Bill, let's say, and you got a, a a spouse and a child, like yo, if you're going to pay healthcare premiums for you, your spouse and a child out of pocket. You're looking at twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year. Where are you getting? Where is that going to come from? Exactly. Like, <laughs> you know. And coming directly off active duty into the reserve, you get TAMP for six months. That's right. Yeah. You know, so that's a, that's a huge win there. Why don't we explain what that is for the listeners who don't know? Yeah. So essentially, TAMP insurance is Tricare insurance, full coverage. So it's basically the same thing you had on active duty for the six months if you do the direct affiliation with the reserve. In addition to that, right now the reserve is offering twenty thousand dollars for a three-year affiliation. That's that's big money to most people. It sure is. I also want to speak to the employer portion of it. I have worked for. I've never been in GS, uh, but I have been uh, an employee under several DoD contractors. Um, I won't name drop them, but they are, are large companies like Northrop Grumman, SIC, AECOM, BAE Systems. But I've also been an employee of little private companies um, that you know those kind of like startups. Um, that don't know anything in the military, don't know anything about the reserves. Um, but having that open and upfront communication, like when you're hired, like, yes, I'm a reservist. I have a requirement to go one week in a month, two weekends a year, or two weeks a year. And that's just the minimum requirement. They are going to, at some point, recall me to active duty and I'll have to go away. Um, but having that, so for example, just this two weeks, I had discussed it with my employer about coming in about like the July or August timeframe to support a an exercise uh, with CNFJ. But my CEO came to me with this opportunity, which is fantastic. I'm exu- <laughs> like super excited to be here during the Sakura season, oh, yeah. the cherry blossoms. It's um, magic. So, so it's, uh, I, you know, as soon as he gave me the opportunity, like I would like to do this and would you come with me? I went to my employer right away and it's like, hey, you know, I know we talked about this, but, you know, things have shifted and they would like my support sooner. All I've never had an issue with my blood. Now, you know, everyone has their individual experiences, but I've always found that, you know, being up front instead of like communication, I, commu- yeah, actively, <laughs> radio man, I love it. Yes. <laughs> actively communicating uh, your your intentions and and managing those expectations that if things change that you will be open with them um coupled with the the tricare allowances like the, the reserves can be awesome in, in managing your career both civilian and the military get the camaraderie and the medical coverage for yourself and your family and the educational benefits because they're also talking about bringing the ta to the reserves right so. you know air force yeah, has yeah. that right now they do yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like I said, Garrett, who's in the Air Force, was saying, was talking about that. But like, well, I used up my GI Bill uh, when I got my master's, but I think I still get TA through the reserves if I really want it. So, yeah. does the Air Force have a reserve GI Bill? Because the Navy does. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent, not a hundred percent sure. 
There's an Air Force mm. base about uh, an hour north of here, Yokota, on mm-hmm. the west side of right. Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, where I was actually stationed as an active duty Navy guy, which <laughs> that was a trip. Um, but yeah, that was great information, uh, Master Chief, and and it's great to hear those experiences. Um, uh, so let's say someone now is listening and is like, okay, the reserve sounds like it might be kind of a cool idea. Someone local here, who who do they get in contact? I guess, Warren, you're the one to ask that. Absolutely. They can go down to the local recruiting office here on Yakota. There's two active duty recruiters there that can pass our information along. Um, there's only one CW04 SEALs in the Navy, so hey. you can look me up in the global. You know, So that's an option as well. But uh, we're here to help and provide the information and provide the awareness of the benefits that the reserve can provide. So that office is over by the Starbucks. main next, by next to Starbucks. Okay, yeah. So How convenient. Yeah, right? <laughs> How convenient. Yeah, go get a Starbucks and join the Navy Reserve. We'll make go. sure they're alert. That's yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, no, that's great. So everybody uh, who's listening, if you're interested in the reserves, it's at least worth a look and a talk to one of the, one of the recruiters over there. Uh, Warrant, you said it's you, so Chief Warrant Officer Seals, and then you had YNC. Yeah, Chief Schmidt. Tom Chief Schmidt, Schmidt is here as well. Okay. And uh, they can reach out to either one of us. And like I say, the, the easiest way is just tag the active duty guys, and they'll pass along our information to them. Cool. But you can go to NavyReserve.com and uh, request information there. Um, yeah, and I, and I was, if I can, I'm going to add, yeah. in addition, of course, you've got uh, uh, Warrant Seals here to help through that process. The other element of this is those that are still thinking about it, you know, they may want to um, um, look for other paths so to create a roadmap uh, is what I would suggest. What are we good at in the military is planning. Yep. So I would suggest certainly a year out, maybe two years out. Think about what that looks like. What is that thing I want to do outside in the world, whether it's uh, uh, going private industry, you want to go GS, do I want to be an entrepreneur? There's different paths and reverse plan some of those steps so you can start taking those now and not yep. wait until that last time comes. That includes in that roadmap, that reserve track and what does that look like in aligning it correctly. And you know, I, certainly in all lots of sailors that I've talked to, both enlisted and JOs, um, that's probably a common thing that not a surprise probably is that uh, while we are great at planning in military operations, we suck at planning our life operations. Sure. And I would suggest and really strongly recommend to those listening is to think about those things. There's Life is your oyster. It really is. The world is. A lot Absolutely. of things to think through. The reserve is a big piece. I can tell you on behalf of uh, Admiral Mustin, we want you. Admiral, Baff, Admiral Latte, we want you. It may not be here at CNFJ, but you have a place somewhere in the reserve force to help us be ready. And in terms of the life plan, I'm going to offer myself up to. Um, I'm absolutely more than happy to help uh, answer questions, to uh, offer thoughts on a roadmap. Uh, I'm going to self-identify and offer my master chief as well. So I'm going to offer myself. Really, does that mean I get bombarded? You know what? Bring it on. I challenge it. <laughs> and you know, it's all also right, easy to go out on you know social media and, and just look for Navy Reserve. Sure. Right? We're all over social media. So if you've got some questions, you can jump right in there as well, Master Chief. That's right. Also, uh, for me, when I got off of active duty, I was an E f- frock to E five. So I was E four frock to E five. Um, and when I came in, I, I wanted to go into the reserves right after active duty. I, I mean, I had the IRR on my you know initial contract. Um, talked to the recruiter, was able to get that E five. But one thing that's harder 
for those who have been prior active coming to the reserves, that first year, that transition, it, it is really it's harder for those who have been active duty than those who are non-prior service because of the way that we nurture our active duty. Um, you don't get as much handholding in the reserves. So you do need to be able to pull yourself by your bootstraps and be able to open your mouth to ask questions because we don't know if you're coming fresh from the, you know, fresh from like nowhere, you know, are you fresh off the street or are you from the active duty where the vernacular is completely different. You say, you know, TDY active duty or TAD and we say ADT, you know, so it, it's similar, um, but you know, the active duty doesn't know what AT is or IDT. And so we have a lot of, uh, the, the churn is great if you've been active. We love your experience, um, but we need, open mouths don't get fed. So, as a public affairs professional, um, I will tell you what would benefit the reserves greatly as someone who went from active duty to the reserves and had no freaking clue what AT or any of this stuff meant is you find one of your MCs out there. I'm sure you got one mm -hmm. somewhere. <laughs> you make a glossary of terms. Here's what the term is in active duty. Here is the reserve version of that term. You lay that out into a nice PDF spreadsheet with some good design, and every single active duty person who joins the reserves gets a copy of that. And I think uh, something like that would go a long way to helping people uh, adjust from active troops. And I'll tell you, just in the last two, two months, weeks, yeah, two months, two, I was yeah. gonna say two weeks. I thought uh, the reserve just launched. Absolutely. Uh, an onboarding splash page hey, see? that actually, for the first time ever, has these big buttons you can push, and it tells you uh, my first thing is this, and then here's my next step. I'm not as dumb as I look, <laughs> see? Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're only 20 you years public late. Affairs. <laughs> <laughs> I should work in public affairs. Yes. Well, um, no, well, that's, that's really fantastic that yes. that exists. Um, you know, any transition is hard, right? And... Uh, at least it's still the Navy. I mean, getting off of active duty, going in the civilian world for a lot of people is a heck of That's a right. punch in the face and, sure. and, a, and a huge adjustment. So at least you have some kind of Navy camaraderie around you when you go when you go into the reserves. Um, so most people don't understand that you just have to do your 20 years before age 60, right? So if you had no prior, you can still come in at age 40. I came in at 37 after 9-11, wow. right? Wow. So now I'm 57 with a sweet pinch, and I've got incredible friends and network out there that you know, are compliments of the Navy Reserve. Bottom line, it is the best networking organization yeah. for civilian entrepreneurs, employers, and employees looking to excel that I've ever seen in my life. That's, that's a good point. Networking on its own, right? It's not what you know. It's who you know. And uh, we're not all like gregarious people who are going to run out and talk to every person we see. So, yes, the Navy Reserves is, I mean, it is a great networking opportunity, really. Absolutely. Really. So, I, and I meant it seriously when I said I'm offering myself and my Master Chief. So, I'm sure you can include a happy to include our contact information in the show notes or however you share. Sure. Um, but I would love to be uh, an assistance to any sailor that is thinking of this, whether it's six months, 12 months, 24 months. Let's let's chart out a plan here, a, a roadmap. Yeah, absolutely. Master Chief, you got anything else? Let's go Navy. Who oh, yeah? Go oh, yeah. Navy. <laughs> well, all right. Thank you, everybody, uh, for listening uh, uh, on this episode. Again, uh, we will have the um, 
the uh, reserve recruiter and the other information uh, in the notes for this uh, this episode. As always, you can uh, reach out to us here at CFA Public Affairs at our uh, Gmail account, which is Yokosuka Report at gmail.com. On Facebook, as always, Instagram, as always. Uh, and as usual, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you next time. The Giant Voice Podcast is a production of Commander Fleet Activities Yokosuka Public Affairs Office. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the policy of the Department of the Navy or Department of Defense. Thanks for listening.